0: Well, I'm going to uh, take this microphone. I thought mine was working, but apparently it's not. So anyway, so I'm going to let you say something, but I'm not going to have you walk up there because I don't want you to fall, okay? (laughs) So you can just sit. No, you don't even have to stand up. You can just be seated right there and give us a word.
1: Well, I'm just thankful that the Lord allowed me to move to Beaverton, Oregon, 43 years ago and to meet you wonderful people you will always be in our hearts and in our prayers. And we'll look forward to see what God does with you and blesses you and causes you to blossom. And I pray for this church that great revival will come. He's promised me that in my own personal devotion time. And thanks for letting me be here.
0: Amen. Well, it's been great to have you here. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Aaron got the amen down. All right, little Aaron. Amen. You practicing. That's good. I like that stuff. Amen. Well, as you very well know, this is uh, Bishop Sis King's last service with us tonight, and uh, it's a sad time for that, and uh, um, I've asked him to speak tonight, which I think is excellent, and so he's going to come. I told him just make himself at home, so he wanted the chair and the table, and so that's what we're going to do. We gave him the cheer and the table tonight. Amen. And so, Bishop, we're so, so glad you are here with us, and we love and appreciate you very much, and we want you to just take your time and, uh, and just give us the word of God. Amen. God bless you.
1: The people said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope that you will endure my voice tonight. I'm going to have to endure it more than you. I don't have a cold i don't know what it is anyhow i appreciate so very much that pastor sparks has invited me to speak on this last night of our being in the palace of praise with all of you And as my wife mentioned the last sunday of this month july we will have been here 43 years And I thank God for those 43 years. In the first sanctuary and then as we moved into here, 1997, on Father's Day, and God has been good to us all along the way. And I thank the Lord for those that have remained faithful and loyal. Through the years, we have seen a lot of people come through the Palace of Praise, come through the Beaverton United Pentecostal Church, come through New Life United Pentecostal Church. We've seen a lot of people come through, and God always allows everyone to be tested. He always allows, I think it's written in the book of Acts, the kingdom of heaven, no, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. But in the book of Acts, we're instructed there by the apostle, that the kingdom of God is entered by much tribulation. We're not playing basketball. We're not playing football. We're not playing soccer. We're not in an automobile race. This is for keeps. This is forever. Thank you, Brother Sparks, for allowing me to speak tonight and I'm going to start up here, but I want to finish down here for a particular reason and I'm also glad to have my son here with me tonight. Amen. And then my daughter Ruth is here somewhere in the stuff and Joy and our oldest son, Derek, had been with us. They had to drive back to Spokane this afternoon. So they've been helping us pack up and uh, get rid of stuff, save stuff, throw some stuff away. And Jesus called it stuff. And believe you me, after 66 years of marriage, it's a lot of stuff. I didn't know I had so much stuff but we're getting rid of stuff and we're taking too much of it with us to Oklahoma. We're going to Tulsa, Oklahoma and joining the the church there with my son-in-law and daughter, the Martins, there in Tulsa. And uh, so I hate to leave Oregon. I hate to leave this part of Oregon. I hate to leave... The fellowship of the United Pentecostal Church my wife calls Oregon the Amish of Pentecost I think that's an appropriate name and I hope it continues and I hate to leave the Palace of Praise United Pentecostal Church where I have given my time my tears my hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of study and research and preparation to feed the flock of God which He has purchased with his own shed blood. I thank the Lord for that. And I think that Daryl and Rachel Sparks are doing a good job pastoring you and shepherding you. Amen. They care about you. And to God be the glory. And in these precarious times, listen, please, in these challenging times, when every man on the face of the earth is being tested and tried, Stay behind your pastor and his wife. Amen. And I cannot emphasize that too much because of what's happening in our world, in the spirit world especially. So, to begin with, Brother Sherman, Are you driving up there? I'd like for you all to, if you have your Bibles, of course, I think it'll be on the screen. I want to take you to two passages of Scripture and redeem the time tonight. Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4. We could read it for the third time in Matthew chapter 8. For this story that I'm reading to you is written three times in our Bible. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tells us the same story, but in their own reporting way. And I want to read two of those to you tonight because of the times. Luke chapter 8 and verse... Twenty-two to begin with. I'm going to turn this other mic on. Here we go. Luke 8, 22 through 25. Notice the story. I didn't know that Pastor Sparks was going to ask me to speak tonight, but the other morning I was praying, which I do early every morning, this passage of scripture came to me. I took it to heart, but I felt like to pass it on to you. Luke 8 and verse 22, that came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake, and they launched forth. But as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep, and there came a storm, came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And it came to pass, or it came to, and they came to him, and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he rose, and rebuked the wind, and the raging of the waters. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying to one another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. What kind of a man is this Jesus? Mark chapter 4, same story, different writer, verse 35, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they They took him as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he WAS IN THE HINDER PART OF THE SHIP, ASLEEP ON A PILLOW. AND THEY AWAKE HIM, AND SAY UNTO HIM, MASTER, CAREST THOU NOT THAT WE PERISH? AND HE AROSE, REBUKED THE WIND, AND SAID UNTO THE SEA, PEACE, BE STILL. AND THE WIND CEASED. AND THERE WAS A GREAT CALM. AND HE SAID UNTO THEM, WHY ARE YOU SO FEARFUL? HOW IS IT THAT YOU HAVE NO FAITH, NO FAITH IN THE STORM? AND THEY FEARED EXCEEDINGLY, AND SAID ONE TO ANOTHER, WHAT manner OF MAN IS THIS? THAT EVEN THE WIND AND THE SEA OBEY HIM." I WANT TO SPEAK TO YOU FOR A LITTLE WHILE HERE ABOUT STORMS. STORMS. NOW, DON'T TURN ME OFF TOO QUICK, BECAUSE Everybody that's in this house, you've either been through a storm or you are in a storm, or I'm going to prophesy you're going to go into a storm. And God allows it to happen for our perfection. And he will not put more on us than we are able to bear. He promised that in 1 Corinthians 10, he will not put more on us than, than we are able to bear. <laughs> Listen, he knows more about each one of us than we know about ourselves. AND YOU JUST THINK YOU KNOW YOURSELF. YOU DON'T KNOW WHAT YOU'RE MADE OF TILL THE STORM COMES. AND THE STORM ALWAYS TELLS THE STORY. THE STORM ALWAYS TELLS WHAT YOU ARE MADE OUT OF. NOW, YOU MAY SIT TONIGHT, AND IN YOUR HEART YOU WOULD SAY, WELL, I'M NOT IN A STORM. Yet. You will be before life's over. And you will be in many storms before life is over. And the whole purpose of God's allowing storms is to perfect you and develop your faith in God if you will let it happen, but you can abort it. You can thwart it. You can stop it by getting in the way of what God is trying to do in your life to perfect you and develop your faith in Him. You do not know how much faith you've got in God till the storm comes. Oh, you think you do. You would challenge me for saying that. No, I've been there. I've been there more than one time. I've been there a number of times. We've been there a number of times. You don't know how much faith you've got in God until it is tested, until it is tried, until you get in a red-hot storm. And oftentimes... When you get in a storm, you're in it all by yourself. And no one can help you. Look at the storm that Job went through. In reading just a little bit of commentary about. This experience with Jesus going into a ship. Now, this was not a little boat. This was a ship. And He was a man's man. Jesus Christ is a man's man. He's not a sissy. He's not a limp wristed, panty-waisted sissy. He's a man's man. He is the Lord God incarnate. He is the one and only, the Holy One of Israel. And he took with him 12 more men. Pastor Sparks, I find it difficult to believe that any one of the 12 was a sissy. I believe those 12 men. Were men. And a whole bunch of them had been fishermen, and still were. And honey, fishermen or fishing is not for sissies on the sea. It's for men. And I'm talking to you men tonight, and God in this hour wants you to be a man, and act like a man, and walk like a man and talk like a man, and sit like a man, and stand like a man, and run like a man, and know above all that you are a man. I know what I am. I don't have to look far to find out. And neither do you if you know what the scripture says. We are in a storm in this nation, in this world, and one of the commentaries said, the storm that the, the 12 with the disciples encountered on that ship out on the Sea of Galilee was probably a strong, horrible wind sent by Satan. because he's the prince of the power of the air. And Satan was allowed by God to bring a storm into Job's life. I don't know whether you're hearing me or not. I'm not playing tonight and I'm not wasting time. I felt like bringing you something that will help you in these stormy times. God, listen to me, the Lord God allowed Satan to bring a storm into Job's life. He lost seven sons, And three daughters because God allowed Satan to attack his kids. Did you hear me? He lost 7,000 sheep because God allowed Satan to take them. God allowed Satan to take his 3,000 camels. Job was the wealthiest man in the East. Your Bible says so. But he was a righteous man. He was a man that feared God and issued evil despite the evil. He was a prosperous man, a wealthy man, but he put God first in his life. That's the difference. That's the difference. He lost 3,000 camels because God let the devil Smite them. He lost 500 yoke of oxen because God allowed Satan, the prince of the power of the air, to destroy them and to destroy the servants, the caretakers. And then God allowed Satan. TO ATTACK JOB'S BODY WITH SORE BOILS. HE TOOK A BROKEN PIECE OF A PLATE AND SCRAPED HIS BODY. PROBABLY THE MOST UNSANITARY THING HE COULD DO. JOB, IT'S IN YOUR BIBLE. AND HE SAT DOWN IN ASHES AND HIS THREE FRIENDS, AND WITH FRIENDS LIKE THAT, WHO NEEDS ENEMIES? THEY WERE USED OF SATAN. SOME OF YOU ARE NOT HEARING ME. THEY WERE USED BY SATAN TO TEST THEIR FRIEND, JOB. AND GOD ALLOWS THE SAME THING TO HAPPEN TO YOU AND YOU AND YOU AND YOU, AND IF YOU'RE NOT SPIRITUAL, YOU DON'T EVEN RECOGNIZE WHAT'S HAPPENING. I'm talking about storms tonight. He lost his health because God let Satan attack him. I want to ask you a question tonight. Who has sent the coronavirus? Has God allowed Satan to attack the world with that disease and all the destruction it's doing worldwide and in America. And then Satan, because God allowed, hear me, GOD ALLOWED SATAN TO PUT WORDS IN THE MOUTH OF JOB'S WIFE. JOB, ARE YOU STILL GOING TO MAINTAIN YOUR INTEGRITY WITH GOD? JOB, WHY DON'T YOU CURSE GOD AND DIE? AND THAT'S EXACTLY WHAT SATAN SAID TO THE LORD. SATAN WAS CONFRONTED BY GOD. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you been? He said, I have been going back and forth, to and fro throughout the whole earth because he's on the prowl. He's on the prowl. And look at me. He's after you, and he's after you, and he's after you, and he's after you, and he's after this 88 year old preacher. And he wants to destroy every one of us. Are you aware that Satan is on the job and is faithful? Are you aware of that tonight? The Lord said, Satan, where you been? Where are you going? He said, Oh, I've been walking back and forth to and fro, throughout the whole earth. And the Lord said, Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is no one in the world like Job, my servant? And Satan said, yes, I have. But God, if you'll let me get to him, I'll make him curse you to your face. AND GOD WILL ALLOW SATAN TO TEST YOU AND TEST YOU AND TEST YOU AND TEST YOU. I HOPE YOU'RE HEARING ME TONIGHT. I HOPE YOU'RE HEARING ME TONIGHT. AND SATAN WENT FORTH FROM THE PRESENCE OF THE LORD BY GOD'S permission. AND DID ALL THAT NASTY BUSINESS TO JOB. I'M JUST BRIEFING IT. BUT AFTER JOB'S WIFE SPOKE FOR SATAN, SAID EXACTLY WHAT SATAN SAID TO GOD, I'LL MAKE HIM CURSE YOU TO YOUR FACE. She spoke up to Job and said, Are you still going to maintain your, your uh, uh, principles and ethics and uh, all before God. Why don't you curse God and die? That's all the man needed. A little discouragement from his wife. He's got boils. He's lost seven sons and three daughters. He's lost 7,000 sheep. He's lost 3,000 camels. He's lost a, a 500 yoke of oxen. He's lost 1,000 donkeys. He's lost his health. He's lost his servants. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his health. And his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Sometimes these wives can say the wrong thing. He didn't need to hear that. He didn't have one person to turn to. Did you hear me? He didn't have one person to talk to. And when his three three friends come from a distance, they sat down. They saw him from a distance and how wretched he looked, how horrible he looked. They sat down for seven days and mourned and never said a word to that grieving man. That's friendship. That's real friendship. And with friends like that, who needs enemies? I'm just just grazing in the pasture here tonight. You need to hear this. Because we are in a humongous last day storm in our world. Men and brethren, hey, men and brethren, give me your attention. It's going to get worse. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? That's what Jesus said to them on the boat. Why did you fear? Where is your faith? in the storm. Master, we perish, don't you care? These are 12 men that are men's men. They're not weaklings, they're not sissies. They are seasoned men, but they're fearful. The storm is so bad, the water is so high, it's in the boat and flooding the boat until they're in jeopardy of losing their lives. Master, Master, help us. Don't you care that we perish? One thing about it that I like so well, in spite of what they saw, in spite of what they felt, they still were having faith in Jesus Christ to see them through the storm. And hey, hey, that's what's going to count. Amen. It's not how much money you've got. It's not your status in life. It's not your position in the community. It's not how much you own. It's not how educated you are. How much faith do you have in God in the storm? In the storm. In the storm. In the storm. How much faith do you have in Jesus Christ in the storm? Forget what you've got. You can lose that overnight. Job did. He lost it all. But you know what he said? Chapter 15. Though you slay me, yet will I trust in thee. Though you kill me with this, these horrible boils I've got all over my body. Though you kill me, though I've lost my sons and my daughters, and I've lost my, my herds and my flocks, I've lost my servants and my maidens, and my wife has lost her faith. My wife has lost her faith. My wife has lost her faith. Yet, yet, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. If your faith in God is predicated on what you own, forget it. Did you hear me? If your faith in God is built on your possessions, forget it. You can lose it like that. If your faith in God is predicated upon your health, your health, forget it. You can lose it. Tonight, as I stand before you in this pulpit for my last time in Tulsa, Oklahoma tonight, there's one of the finest, one of the finest women I ever pastored. She's in a Tulsa hospital in intensive care with the coronavirus and a ventilator. She's just a little bit older than my wife and I. What a jewel she was in the Oklahoma City Church. Oh, what a jewel she was, a woman of faith that had a husband, a husband that was a rascal. He was a liar. He was crooked and burnt to death in his own house fire. They'd been separated for a long time because he was such a wicked, wicked man. I knew him well. I pastored him. I pastored her. I pastored their two sons and their two daughters. Oklahoma City. And I knew him from Bible school days. I sent her name, her daughter, her daughter Ruth. We haven't heard from her in years. She called my wife on the phone the other day to let my wife know that her mother was in a Tulsa hospital, but she wasn't in intensive care yet. She had the virus, but she wasn't in intensive care. So after I heard that, I took the chance. I have her email address on my computer. I sent her an email, I said, Sister Royanne, We are fervently praying for you. I had no idea that she would respond. But she did, even in the hospital. And she sent me back an email and said, Brother King, thank you for your prayers. She said, God has been so good to me. faith in God, faith in God, faith in God. Are you hearing me? Let's worship the Lord. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Some some of you, some of you folks, you're not going to make it. Because you really haven't dug down and got a real grip of faith in God where you're at. And the storm is going to test you. God is going to allow Satan to test you. To see if you're going to hold on to God and have faith in Him. Regardless of what happens. Regardless of what happens. Now I've heard it. I've heard it more than one time through the years. Well, why did God allow that to happen to me? Because he was letting Satan test you. And what you really are will come out in the storm. What you really are will come out in the storm. Oh, you're saying amen. But I want to tell you, what you really are will come out in the storm. Let me tell you something else you never thought about. The storm always tells you who your real friends are and who your enemies are. And you will get a big surprise over your enemies, who you thought were your friends. But the storm always tells the story. Don't you forget what this aged preacher said tonight. I'm gonna step down and go to my seat here. Last time I did this was last February This is home. (laughs) Brother Sherman, I'd like to go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5 and the first verse, maybe the second one with it. somebody read it out loud for us. Next verse. That's good. Now, I'm not going to be bouncing all over the platform. I'm going to sit and talk to you like Jesus did. Is that okay? I'm doing what Jesus did. And Jesus did this often. If you read chapter 4 of Luke, when that rabbi in his hometown of Nazareth invited him to give his debut sermon, first time he's preaching, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 to start with. The rabbi of the synagogue handed him the book of Isaiah. And he turned to what chapter? 61. Jesus turned to chapter 61. This is his debut to preach in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. He reads Isaiah 61. He handed the book back to the rabbi. And the Bible said, he sat down and taught the people. This type of ministry is almost lost in our day because we like the... We're not having church unless we're the teaching ministry is begging in the United Pentecostal Church the teaching ministry is begging in the United Pentecostal Church Jesus sat down on the hillside as we just read and taught the people I wonder if they had any honey buckets out there. <laughs> wonder how many bottles of water there were. Did you notice that he had a big orchestra? Did you notice that he had praise singers? No, he had a huge multitude of people. And all he did was sit down and taught them The Beatitudes. Chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are this, blessed are this, blessed are this, blessed are this, blessed... Up on the mountain. He sat down and taught. Somebody tell me how many verses is in chapter, chapter five of Matthew. How many? Everybody say forty eight. Forty eight verses up on the mountain. Teaching, 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 teaching. Oh, I don't like teaching. It's just boring. You idiot. What's wrong with your heart? You got heart problems. Because those people were hungry for the Word of God. Those people were thirsty for the Word of God. That multitude met him on the mountain, not to hear a song convention not to hear entertainment, not to hear the most talented, but to hear the man of God. Simply tell them the book of life, the Word of God, the Word of truth. They were hungry for the Word. How many verses in chapter 5? How many verses in chapter 6? How many? I can't hear you. Everybody say it. Okay, forty eight and thirty four. Uh, how many verses is in chapter seven? Okay, how many? Say it. Forty eight, thirty four, and twenty nine, all on the mountain. No song service, no honey buckets, no water fountain, no orchestra, no organ or piano, nor drums, or guitar, no music whatsoever, nothing, just as bare bones as it could be, just as bare bones of a service as it could be, but they were here there to hear the word of the Lord. and no miracles were done. Nobody got healed. Nobody got delivered. Everybody's on the mountain just simply for the teaching of the Word of God. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find Jesus getting in a boat, pushing out from the shore, and just teaching the people standing on the shore. He was a teacher. The teaching ministry is begging in the United Pentecostal Church. Oh, Pastor Sparks is doing a good job teaching and preaching. Don't you think? I do. He's brought us some excellent messages, both in evangelism and in teaching. All they did, 48 verses, 34 verses, 29. How many verses is that? How many? Huh? 111. Is it? 109. 109 verses on the mountain to people that only wanted to hear the word of God. Brother Sherman, would you turn to chapter 8 and verse 1? Everybody read it out loud. 109 instructions on the mountain without one miracle, without one deliverance, no hooping and hollering and dancing and shouting, running the aisles. You don't like for me to say that. But you know what? I said it. They were only interested in hearing the word of the Lord. But before before he came down from the mountain, look what he said in chapter 7 right at the latter end of it, beginning at verse 24. Just before he came down the mountain, as he's wrapping up all these verses of teaching and instruction on the mountain, Are you there? Chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and thinks about it, and ponders it, and might consider it, what's it say? And do them. I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon that rock is Christ. Next verse, and the rain the rain descended and the flood came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon It was founded upon their bank account. It was founded upon their health. It was founded upon their possessions. It was founded upon the nice house they lived in. It was founded upon the rock. That rock is Christ. Verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and Doeth them not shall be like unto a like unto a like unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand castle at Cannon Beach. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew. And beat upon that house. Hey, the storm's coming. The storm's going to test you. It's going to test you. Going to test you. Going to test you to see what you're made out. It's called quality control. It's called quality control by the great manufacturer. Oh, my, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For he taught them as one, having authority. Having authority. Thank God for preachers that have got authority and will use authority to preach and to teach and declare the word of God. For he was one, he taught them as one having authority and not like the scribes. I don't know whether you know it or not, Pentecostals. I don't know whether you realize it or not. Authority in America is God-given. Well, read your Bible. What are you going to say about Romans chapter 13? It's clear-cut. But authority is under vicious attack in America tonight. Our president, Donald J. Trump, and his wife, Melania, I pray for them daily. I pray for their marriage. I pray for their covenant together. I pray, Lord, bind them together. Don't let anything separate them in in this pressure cooker. The hostility, the hatred, the animosity, the opposition that this President of the United States that God put in the office is under attack like no president we've had other than Abraham Lincoln. He's 74 years old. His birthday is on the same day as King David's. Melania, his wife, is 50 years old. Melania is from a little town in Slovenia, Europe. A little town, a little town that has a, a river that flows around it like a horseshoe. And the little town is called Novo Mesto. Slovenia. Do you know what they did in her little town? Because of all the opposition against President Trump and his wife? They have a statue of Melania in Slovenia. They set it on fire and cut it down. There's no respect for a leadership in America. Very little respect for a leadership in America. Very little respect for authority in America. You folks are sure quiet when I talk like this. I am right on target. And there's a whole lot of little respect for apostolic preachers in America. I know a preacher tonight in the United Pentecostal Church. He's 74 years old. He has pastored one of the largest churches in the United Pentecostal Church. Him and his wife has two daughters. They're married to preachers. All of them held positions in that church. That very powerful church board, which was as out of order as it could be, out of order, fired every one of them and removed every one of them from the positions and from the church. And his wife just died. Little respect in a church that he gave his life for for over 30 years. I'm preaching to you tonight don't you dare set your hand on that man over there. I said, don't you dare set your hand against that man over there. Don't you dare set your hand against that man over there. God put him in the office as the pastor. You just confirmed it. You only confirmed it. You know where you can have storms? Now listen to me. There are physical storms, spiritual storms, social storms with family and friends, moral storms, economic storms, educational storms, you can be, have a storm in all six of those areas of your life and living. And it's all for your development and to strengthen your faith in God if you call on him and seek him diligently like the 12 apostles did in the boat look at me. You're in the ship together. You're not in the ship independently. You're in the ship together. The twelve were in the boat with Jesus. They were in it together. Twelve different men from different backgrounds, different cultures, different education. And I wouldn't doubt what. I wouldn't doubt but what Simon Peter may have been one of the most uneducated men among the bunch, and Jesus chose him to be the spokesman. He don't think like we think. He don't do like we do. He's sovereign. He rules in the army of heaven and the kingdoms of men. Hey. Those of you that didn't hear me, listen, you can have a storm in the physical realm, your body, your health, or somebody in your home, in your family, a storm. You can have a storm spiritually, and generally when you're in a storm spiritually, it affects you Mentally. I know. I've been there. I fought a spiritual battle mentally for two years and never felt the presence of God. I never felt the presence of God. What did it make me do? Give up? Quit praying? No. I met with my pastor every morning at the house of God. And we prayed and prayed and prayed together, though I felt nothing. I never will forget that Friday that Friday night. I was back home from Bible school in my home church in Salem. I was sitting about two-thirds of the way back in the sanctuary and at the end of the service, and this was my first service home, my pastor, Salem, he said, Barry, I'd like for you to dismiss us in prayer. Just a regular Friday night service. Nothing outstanding about that service. Nothing at all. Just a common Friday night Bible study in the Salem church. And I opened my mouth to pray dismissal when the glory of God came down and bathed my soul. And bathed my soul. And bathe my soul. Victory had come, but I stayed. I stayed faithful in prayer. My faith in God drove me to prayer when I couldn't feel nothing. And some of you go by your feelings too much and you let your feelings govern you and control you when you need to get over it and conquer them and go ahead and pray whether you feel like it or not. If you don't develop a prayer life in the Holy Ghost, through prayer, look at me, you're not going to make it. Some storm will come along and take you right out of the church. I'm prophesying, I'm telling you the truth. You're going to have storms come to your marriage. Are you building on the rock or on culture, what they say, the way they're doing it. And culture is affecting the church too much. Culture is affecting the apostolic church far too much. It's horrible what culture is doing to the apostolic church. Oh, but we like it. It's comfortable. It's enjoyable. That's the problem. Hey, you're going to have a storm in your marriage. You're going to have a storm in your health. You're going to have a storm in your pocketbook. You're going to You're going to have a storm on your job. You may lose your. I know a man tonight in Idaho. He moved there from Texas. He's not in the church, unsaved man. He's related to one of my children. Got a wife, and I forget how many kids they've got. And he moved up there. He's a, he's a, been in the Navy, and he got an excellent job in Idaho. But he just. Just recently, they let off hundreds of people, and he stands a chance of l- losing his job too. Now, what you gonna do? Storm. Some of you may have lost your job. You're in a storm. How's your faith? How's your faith? Have you got a Have you got a, a bankroll of faith? Do you have a deposit of faith in God? You're going to be tested socially with family. Oh, it can even split your home because it's her people and his people and we can't get along on this situation. Oh, yeah, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried to see whether you've built on the rock. Yes. You're going to be tested economically, socially, morally, morally, educationally. And tonight, America is one of in one of the biggest storms we've ever faced. And I'm going to close with this, Pastor Sparks. Are you, are you a registered voter? Are you an American citizen and a registered voter? If you're not, a, if you're not a registered voter, why aren't you? You're too lazy to re- register. You too indifferent to what's going on in America? This is the most critical general election this nation has ever faced. November the 3rd is coming up. You hear me? You hear me? You hear me? You'll rue the day that this nation ever went socialistic you will rule the rule the day that this nation ever went socialistic you will regret with all your heart you didn't go and vote for the man that's trying to do right for America and shame on you if you don't do it and I'm shaming you out of apostolic authority tonight And I've got a sister that never votes. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. And if the Socialist Party becomes the president of this nation, mark it well. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. trouble. But I don't know about you, I think of that old man, that old man when I was a boy. It was in the early 1940s, right after World War II broke out. There was an old man in our church in Salem. I was about 9, 10 years old. and. Most all of you know where the convention center is in downtown Salem. One half block from that, one half block from that convention center, there's a storefront building. I could take you there tonight. That was our church in downtown Salem with a basement, the main level, and an upstairs. And Brother George Eads was the pastor. We had an old man in that church that wore a three-piece tweed suit with a vest. Old man with gnarled hands could hardly hold his Bible. Old Daddy Plessinger. Old Daddy Plessinger. I see him tonight. He made an everlasting impression upon me. he'd get out of his pew and walk up and stand on the main floor in front of the pulpit and sing an old, old song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ's own righteousness when all around my sails gives way. My only hope is in Jesus today. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's worship him. Pastor Sparks. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah,
0: hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. To God be all glory and honor and praise. Oh Jesus, hallelujah, that was uh, vintage, that was vintage there, remember he used to teach us some Bible studies, about an hour and a half, and I remember uh, we were just, my wife and I, they gave some boxes, they said we need to come throw in the dumpster, and they were, the top was off, and I looked down in them. And those boxes, and I seen those transparencies. You Guys, remember the transparencies? Bishop's handwriting, there was no one who could compare to his handwriting for his transparencies. And he would do several of those for his Bible studies on the old overhead. Now, some of you don't even know what an overhead is. It's, it's like an eight-track, some of you. I can see who's the old. They know what I'm talking about, each track there. But those vintage, I kept my remarks very brief while ago before they came up because number one is, where do I begin to summarize 43 years at the Palace of Praise? Um, their influence, their effect on this church. This building was uh, his vision burden poured lots of money into it it's reason why we have the building we have right now started a Christian school I believe it was in 1979 I believe it was burden for kids I did not miss my brother-in-law tonight I wasn't overlooking him I wanted to make sure the first part of the service I just focused on these two folks here so I had her speak first and I had him speak next and I kept my remarks extremely brief, but it is so good to have my brother-in-law, Brother King with us tonight in this house, and we welcome you to the Palace of Praise. Glad you're here. He's a product of that Christian school, product of this church, and uh, we've come a long ways, baby, and some of you wasn't there back in those, back we came in 77, so we've been here a long time too, and. We've walked to lots of places. His church has went through lots of storms. I've sat in his office a lots of times, and we've talked and talked and talked about issues we've had to deal with and things we've had to deal with. I've been able to glean a little wisdom from the elder, and I appreciate that. I know many of you are saying, you know what, Pastor Sparks, you know what time it is? I know exactly what time it is. But guess what? I taught last longer, last Wednesday night than this Wednesday night. So you're going to get out earlier. <laughs> Remember, I was giving you your money's worth for not being able to hear teaching for a while. But but I'm going to take just a moment. I'm not going to try to summarize his ministry. I do want to apologize. I wish we could throw a big party at the end of service. You don't know how much I wanted to do that, but I simply cannot. I For us to be having services is... Even outside of the box right now, I was told by our superintendent, nobody else around us is having services except small home missions works. Nobody else is open. So we are doing something that no one else is doing. But I couldn't do that. But Bishop says, King, I hope you know. I wish we could. I apologize about that, but just won't let you know. I wish we could do that. But I'm going to give you, everybody say brief. I didn't say briefs, I said brief brief i'm going to give you just a brief moment if you would like to express your appreciation to them Uh, again they will be leaving on friday if you feel like you need to go you're welcome to go ahead and be to leave at this moment but if for i'm going to give you a brief moment i need you to speak nice and loud i'm not going to bring you this microphone because i do not want you to speak spit all over it. so i'm not going to do that but if you want to say a word of appreciation to the kings, I would like for you to say it nice and loud wherever you are. Would anyone like to do that? And we'll open it up to you right now.